Hi everyone! Today we are going to give our review on The Expanse Season 2. In just in the nick of time. In the nick of time? Yeah, we're only like two months late with this. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a wee bit overdue, but we've tried so hard not to go into Season 3 so we don't get anything muddled up. Yeah, and we were really, really enjoying it, but then just everything else came out and we were like, let's review this, let's review this, and we were like, what about The Expanse? Ah, we'll do it another day, and then that, that day barely well today is that other day thank god (laughs) finally so we can start watching season three which we're quite excited about and we need to start watching because we're almost finished another show that we're watching as well i know i know so the expanse season one was the first episode that i ever got a critique on and the critique was you're both scientists why haven't you talked about the science in this also can you give an opinion on the show and not just verbatim tell what happens in the episode or sorry in the season yeah, we learned as we went along. So, to start, we quite enjoyed season two. It was good. Yeah, it was. I actually had more problems with the season, I remember. But because it's been so long since we watched it, I've forgotten most of the problems. Yes, I remember my one that I picked up on and I'm quite chuffed with it. It was good. It was good. I remember that now. Yeah, so, so rough description of the season. I was going to go straight on and say go back to the episode for season one if you need the glossary of the characters. Oh god, the because character glossary. I, I forgot about this. Oh, still no. continue to use my names of the characters, and there's some new characters coming in, but you'll be able to pick them up. They're very obvious names. So, yep, jump back, give us a watch in that episode if you actually need to know who I'm talking about. Shall we maybe... Enjoy, well, it, the show opens with the newest and most important character maybe in the show, in season two. And who's that? The Martians. Oh, yes. Are we Mars bar people? Yes, but you named her. Yeah, she is called Australian Woman. Yes, because... It's a very original name, because her accent makes it sound like she is from Australia. Space Australia. Yeah, because it's from your wee show that you said. Yes, <laughs> that you can't remember. No, dra- Dragon Ball? Dragon Ball Z abridged. That one. I would do the accent, but uh, as you may know, I'm really, really bad at accents. Oh, so am I. Terrible at them. Well, that at least makes two of us. I think I'm worse than you, though. I just don't do accents. I seem to have a great ability to go striding very confidently into an accent and then people will say why did you do a completely different accent? So I I know for a fact I can't do them and also I can't really recognise them. Sometimes people have got an accent, it's a really unique accent and I'm sitting there for ages just going, where are you from? I know it's from somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) But not sure where, it's like when I hear people from like South Africa. Um, their accent sometimes sounds it's like an Australian cross. I sometimes get that with the South African accent. Kind of like in the show, it can be a bit hard to make out exactly where you're from, but my mum's got a very bad habit of recognising accents. I'm pretty sure there's been multiple times I've been sitting on the couch and then my my mum would be like, that's a weird accent, where's that from? My dad would be like, it's Scottish. And my mum would be like, is it? Yeah, I would probably do that as well. <laughs> to be fair. Anyway. Martian woman, no, Australian woman, is the only extra important character that comes into the show, I think. Well, I remember she kind of annoyed me. She was really annoying at first. At she was start. very one note because she was like she was like the female version of the jock character in most things at the beginning, I seem to remember. Yeah, she was like a wee sort of I don't know, battle policeman. Well she was like the she was like the lieutenant or sar- sorry, sergeant of uh of like a a small platoon of Martians. Metal soldier. She's yeah. got a metal suit and she's army policey. 
Anyway. <laughs> but she's quite kick-ass. She, I liked her by the end of the show. One, she teamed up with her other wee counterpart that was kind of near, near the middle, the end. Let's, we're not going to be doing... We're not going to do what we did in the first one where we go scene by scene by scene through no, this. So no. just jump around if you wish. I'm going to jump around. Then start jumping. I'm jumping all over the place, can't you see? <laughs> no, you're literally sitting down. Right. As I was saying, once she teamed up with her little counterparts... And before I was rudely interrupted, which are <laughs> Mr. Bodyguard and Angel. Yeah, so obviously I quite like Angel. I can't remember if I glossified her last time. The wee woman on earth that's like, she's the lead of a department in charge of the world. I'm not really sure what her role is. Some sort of government role. She dresses fabulous and she's called Angel. Uh, she's like the head of the UN or something similar. Yeah, government head lead earth woman her and she's got mr bodyguard and then australian woman joins their wee gang when they're getting i can't remember it was i think flopsy mops double crossed them and then they're trapped on the ship with gunfire and they're all teamed up together and it's they're just so cute together yeah should we maybe explain that flopsy mops is the guy that doesn't really have actually that lot of floppy hair it's just the dark hair the kind of evil not evil oh yes he's evil guy flopsy mops flopsy mops is not a correct name for him did you recognise who I was talking about? Yes, you did. Therefore, Only because we've had a discussion about this in the past. And therefore, the name sticks. So. <laughs> anyway, in response to the last season's criticism, why didn't you bring up any of the science? Like, why didn't you talk today about why this is a hard sci-fi show and how that compares to, say, something like Star Trek, which is a bit more, like, airy-fairy on the science, right? When I thought about this, going back, I think the reason why I didn't bring anything up is there's not a lot to bring up. Once you solidify it in your head that, okay, they've got advanced rocketry and that, you know, advanced 500 years of the future and everyone's got a bit better tech for the most part. It's There's not much more to comment on, really, I found. But in season two, I was being a bit more aware of it and I have got some notes. I love at the bottom of his notes, you go very to the bottom, it just says, life on Earth is hard. Well, since you were in that, should we talk about that then? No, we'll come back to that, but it made me giggle. You know we're going to forget now. Okay, we'll talk about it now. His point was, the life on Earth is hard. It is. And now we've talked about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, in the first half of this series, the main point is that Eros, which at the end of the first season has grown all the big goopy goop on it and been taken over by the protomolecule. Uh, essentially starts, like, accelerating towards Earth as if it's going to uh, crash right into Earth. Yep. Yep. Now, well, does it not? It accelerates towards another ship first and then changes course, which was, like, a big deal. Like, ah, it shouldn't be able to change course. And then it does. No. Eros gets seeded with the protomolecule and they decide they were going to use the Mormon's ship to blow it up. That was it, that was it. Yeah, and they fired it off at Eros, and Eros, at the last moment, just sort of went, whoop, out of the way, and just dodged it. But then at that point, it sort of decided, well, I'm just going to keep going, and then just started heading towards Earth. Because I was wondering if they get to, get, like, return the ship that they stole. But I think that just, like, sauntered off towards it, the sun. Yeah, I don't know if it was the sun. It might just be heading into deep space. Was that not the, the mission, though? They were going to, like, kind of scoop the little blue goop rock up with this ship and then just launch it into the sun so it's all burned up. That might have been one of the plans. I don't know if they planned to do that or just smash it with the ship. But that would way, just though. catapult the blue goo everywhere, which is what they didn't want. They had to get rid of it. They were going to burn mm. it. But yeah, it just sidesteps it and then starts accelerating towards Earth. Now, the protomolecule is just this 
Um, yeah, this is blue goo that's completely unexplained, so the fact it can just suddenly accelerate a rock out of nowhere with no uh, force applied to it, you just gotta give it to it, you can't really say much about it. However, Mr. Hats lands on it with Aqua. Oh yeah, we Aquaman. Yeah. No, it's not Aqua, it's Agua. Was it Agua? Oh, Agua. sorry, I don't have the glossary of names in front of me. I'm sure it's Agua. Well, it's your name for him. It's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Agua. The plan is they're just going to blow it up uh, using nukes. Yeah. Time for detonation. However, one sort of has a failsafe where, like, a really unusual failsafe where, like, he has to put his hand on it. And when he puts his hand on it, as long, if he takes it away, he's got a minute until he needs to put his hand back on it. Otherwise it's because it'll blow up. when the rock sidestepped, it jiggled all the things. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's just I'm, I'm just saying it's quite an unusual like plot device of like, well, I can, I can jump off, I can leave, but this is gonna blow up in sixty seconds. Yeah, but One, but Agua had to do it, and then Mister Hats took over for him, sent him on his way. Oh, that's that's how you know he's a nice guy. He's he let the kid live. That's twice he's let him away now. The Ross and Auntie ends up chasing after them because they're trying to save Mister Hats essentially, and ultimately end up getting enthralled in like the whole like. How do we actually stop Eros from striking Earth eventually? But one thing I pointed out was when Mr. Hatch was on the side of Eros and he was like, how do we get him off? I can't get near it. Literally, he could have just jumped off the back. And as we found out eventually, the rock accelerates away anyway. So the Ross and Auntie could have picked him up. Instead of what happened to my favorite character. Yeah, they never really thought that one through. Or they did think it through and they're like, well, that was a dud plot. We'll go the other route. Well, it's, it's a, a book, so I'm assuming... The book was always entailed that he would go meet Blue Julie. Yeah, well, they're, they're kind of fated for each other, it kind of seems. Really creepily. Yeah, I didn't like that. I, I did like the, the fact that she was in the Blue Hotel, though. I liked everything about the scene where they met, other than... So, from his point of view, I, I guess it must be done better in the books, because in the show, it just seems like he starts, like, creepily, like, getting so involved in her life when she's dead. Well, he doesn't know she's dead, but when he's in investigation it's in the first of, season... It's like he's in a, a sort of obsession with her. Yeah, yeah. And but she seems fine with it when he meets her and she's kind of tentacle ghouly. But he goes up to her and then they just kind of have a snog and it's really out of place and it just feels very weird. What feels weird is that if you look at it from her point of view, she the last thing before she sees him was she was like crystallizing in a bathtub and then suddenly she wakes up and like... Oh, thank God you're here, Mr. Hatz. Yeah, that summarizes it quite nicely. So, what does happen to Mr. Hatz and Julie? Mr. Hatz sort of. He says, takes his, his helmet off, so now he's infected with the blue. Yeah, he's at the point of no return. And uh -huh. he sort of convinces her not to drive the ship into Earth. Yeah, because she thinks she's controlling her wee racing ship. So, he manages to talk her into saying, You don't want to go home. You want to go to this planet instead. It's Venus, yeah. Yeah, so she then changes course of what she thinks is a racing ship and then off they go and they kind of explode into this big creaturey boom. But if Ghoulie's still alive after being dead, Mr. Hats might have hope. Well, he's still going to be Mr. Blue Hat at the very best. Imagine if he does have a blue hat. If he doesn't, if he hasn't been formed back into his blue shape with a hat, I'm going to be quite disappointed in season three, four and five. He better still have that sort of odd haircut, though. The not quite long, but also not quite bald. Exactly. Yeah. It was only once he lost his hat that we realised his haircut's very strange. And we started calling him Mr. No Hats, didn't we? Forgot about that. Yes. Anyway, what other things happened this season that you didn't like? 
I didn't like Coffee Bean and Carlos being together. They did not need to be in a relationship. No setup. Well, very little setup. It basically was like, I'm a hot young guy, you're a hot young girl. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> exactly. And then the next episode, they're like, oh, we're so in love with each other. It's like, it's been a day. Yeah. It, again, it might be one of those things that the books might do it better, but it's not justified well enough, I don't think. They were really good chemistry as friends, so I don't know why they had to make them a, a couple. I think it would have been fine if it was like season four, season five, like after you've seen them together for quite some time, but it did seem really rushed. Especially when like it was like, oh, I'm, in, I'm so totally in love with you. Yeah. Very fast. The relationship that I liked the best was Bus Driver and Puppy together. They're great. So that is Amos, although I've been told that, which I called him Eamon in the last series. I've been informed it's Amos. However, just to keep annoying that person, Eamon, yes. Also known as Puppy. Puppy, yes. And Alex, the bus driver. Yeah. Yeah. I think if Mr. Hats does go kaput, they are my two favourite characters now. However, just with the way I think this show's going to go, I've got a feeling that Puppy or Alex are both going to die. And it's just going to be left with Coffee Bean and Curls. I think they're definitely on the chopping block next. But I mean, I think Puppy might go before Bus Driver. Bus Driver's needed for the... Taxi the pilot of the ship. Yeah, taxi the pilot. Puppy's just the muscles, so I think Puppy will... Plus, Puppy gets fair battered half the time. He's always shot or stabbed or bones popping through or something. Yeah. Well, that leads me to the bit with the monster, though. Go on. When Coffee Bean got smushed. Yeah, I actually quite like that. Because that was a really good sort of like horror like scene. It was mm. the monster. Normally, you only get to see the monsters from far away until really late in the seasons and stuff. And then it was just well, it was right in Coffee Bean's face. It was great. It's actually a credit to how decent the CGI was there. Even though it was like sketchy, some small bits with the monster, but it was a credit with how good it was in that scene. In that you get to sit and watch the monster sort of ripping the ship up, looking around, or even approaching James, and it doesn't look off-putting at all. Yeah. Plus, I really liked it. I, I loved that when the monster came up to him, when he was shooting him, and like once he's ran out of bullets, he's like, he's not a threat, so I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing. He's looking for a little, was it a energy core or something? And then they had their plan, and it's just a little monster hugging a little pom-pom. Oh, yeah. If we go back to the science, though, my, my big point was that when it jumps to that guy and was it that discovered warp or super speed or whatever he discovered? The name... The name eludes me now, and I mean, I could go look it up, but Some is it like the Stevenson Drive? Yeah. Or the Edmondson Drive? It's named after the guy who like built it, and he built it out of like a scrap ship on Mars, and he launched himself off in it. But he did like a video blog thing. I'm guessing that's how people discovered it? Because here's what I was thinking, right, before you go into your point, sorry. He's discovered this drive, and he's like pointed himself in a direction, and then fired his rocket. And at one point, you see that the driver's working so well, he literally can't pull himself out of his seat. The acceleration's so much, it's still accelerating. And he just can't move. And he, actually, it's a horrible bit where he's try, he does lift his hand up enough, and then it snaps back and it's broken. And he's still stuck in place. But how did people find out about this technology if he fired it off into the space? Yeah, that was our issue at the time, because you brought that up, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they never actually got to discover it. It's all an illusion. I think they probably did. I think that's how they actually... Well, I remember us trying to work this out at the time and we decided that you probably zipped off so far 
he met aliens and maybe he's the reason the blue came oh, back oh yeah 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 like that was a it's probably not the case but that it's was not but you know it could be very loosely touching on something yeah yeah but anyway it comes to my point which sorry yes i liked is that you see him playing on his phone while he's on the ship and then you jump back to normal times and you see them playing on their phones which are identical yes 137 years yes and no phone upgrade no a very good spot a very very good spot then again guns haven't really advanced in like the 500 years from now until when this show's opening so what do we know maybe we'll get to like the iphone 15 and then that'll be like the pinnacle of phones phones can never get better than this we're never going to make another one i don't use the iphone okay we'll get to the galaxy samsung s40 and that will be the perfect phone we'll never need to upgrade i have one more well, actually no sorry i've got two more science points to bring up uh-oh uh-oh <laughs> you love my science points okay science me up science you up so the whole story culminates in ganymede where seemingly the protomolecule is used as like a, a way to infect kids to create monsters at least that's the sort of information that it, you deem from the show yeah yeah and it's a secret facility like not everyone there knows like why it's there they just think it's a facility on ganymede but it's it's like the north and south korean uh like dead zone like the 57th parallel or whatever it's called where both the martians and earth have stake on it and they've got their own sides they can patrol with soldiers and whatnot and the martian troops led by australian women are there where they think they're getting rushed by the earth troops and they think it's a big fight and then the whole the whole facility and all the radar dishes above start getting broken up and stuff and it turns out it was actually one of these monsters yeah i like the monsters they're like creepy skeleton guys but anyway, the bus driver can't take James and Curls and Puppy down there because uh, the whole place is in lockdown. So they arrive there on a ship that's destined with uh, destined to arrive there with supplies. Whereas the Ross and Auntie will sit and wait by, I believe, like a larger asteroid, just sort of floating, just sitting there, mm-hmm. undetected by the Martians. Uh, and then the he comes up with this plan because he knows he needs to get down there. This whole going wrong because there's the the next attack by the monster reappears when James and that are down there. Yeah. Him and... <laughs> there's actually one point like here. Uh, he seems to be going a bit bonkers on his own, if you remember. Coffee bean. No, uh, bus driver, because he's talking to the ship. He always loved that ship, though. It's just no, amplified. It, it, it is amplified, but it's almost like he's in a relationship with the ship now. A re- it's a relationship. <laughs> well, that bad. That was bad, I know. Um... Between him and the ship, they, uh, he comes up with this plan that they will use, like, slingshotting using, like, the gravity of Jupiter in, like, this weird, like, they, they show it in, like, a big, like, all the arcs around all the asteroids and the, the moons to land, just get near Ganymede without turning his thrusters on, right? Mm-hmm. And he show it, they show it happening in, like, a really, really short space of time, and there's just no way it would happen. There's no way you could do that. When, like, when we use our moon to, like, slingshot around, you've already got pace to do it. So I think this is the point in sci-fi shows. I just kind of go with it. As long as it doesn't get too specific in the details, I won't pick up on stuff. So I just let it run. So he's he's floating there next to the asteroid, right? And then suddenly he decides, right, need to get over to that moon, which might be the, over the other side of Jupiter, right? If he's dead stationary, 
if he were to somehow like, well, in theory, he would just float straight down to Jupiter because it's such a large gravitational pull. So it's a wee bit hodgepodge how they suddenly like sort of using only like the direction thrusters managed to make it there. This is I where just you didn't just like it. You get your big pinch of salt and you rub it all over the place and then it's fine. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. I was just wanted to bring it up because we were wondering like what um what does this show get wrong? What this show gets right a lot though is where if the Rossinanti is flying with its thrusters in one direction and they put like little gas thrusters on the sides on, it'll spin it but keep going in the main direction where the thrusters were taking them, which I like. What I do like about this is every time that happens in the show, turn it lets out a little squeal of delight. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have another science point? I do have another science point, but it's the very, 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 very end. It's the last thing you see almost. So I don't know if I want to bring it up just yet. Go for it. So there's an observation ship going down to Venus, if you remember this. Yeah. Uh, it's the Earthling, sh- like Earthling science observation ship. And they go down so far, and at one point it breaks up, and it looks like it's the protomolecule that is just... Like, just using, like, essentially telekinesis or something, completely separated the ship apart so that the, the humans are floating there. I bet it was, like, in an instant, it, like, deconstructed everything down yeah, to, like, the bolts so and the, screws it and took everything. took the bolts out, the screws out, and it, it honestly, it was an amazing shot. I, I was, like, I was looking at it going, that's so cool. That was so good. However, the reason why Venus is so deadly is that at the surface, it's got incredibly high pressure and temperature, and it's also got noxious fumes it's completely uninhabitable by most things that's from earth could not survive on venus so they'd been they'd been descending down into venus some way as soon as that opens up because you do see them suspended for a few moments because you see them looking around like what is going on here so as soon as that happens as soon as the ship is opened up and they're exposed to the atmosphere they should be melting getting crushed and probably choking and yet they seem to be just sitting there going this is weird isn't it but maybe because the the ship dispersed so quickly all the air in that hadn't quite gone yet. The only other thing I can think of is if, like, in part of the telekinesis of separating the ship, they kept the oxygen and the pressure of the ship. Just enough to see their shocked faces and then he takes it away. <laughs> yeah. When you see when you see deep down at the on the surface, it looks like it almost looks like there's a wee blue city forming on Venus. Do you remember this? With Mr. Hats as king. Well, hopefully. But like that's interesting. Does like what does that mean? I mean, this is speculation for a show that's been out for several years now, and the answers will have already been known by people. In fact, people listening to this will know the answers to it. So should we really speculate on it? Well, not really, but from what we've seen, the blue goes everywhere. So the blue can't resist spreading from the crash site all over the place. So it'll just go blue, 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 blue. And then it won't be the only Earth, uh, Earth won't be the only blue planet. Ah. Get it, get it, get it. Is there anything else you want to bring up? We have got pages and pages of notes, but do we want to bring up the botanist? I was just going to say, because I was trying to remember what I named them, did I just name them Beansprout? Oh, maybe, yes. I think I was debating between Beansprout and Soybean. I can't remember and which. And I, I told you Coffee Bean is already a bean. Yeah, so I think I must have gone with Beansprout. And Beansprout on his little quest to find his daughter, who may or may not be a big evil skeleton monster. Well, we saw her right at the end getting led into like a, a chamber or like a pod but yeah, I mean we so don't we know don't when that was think or so then maybe it's like alien they're already infected and at a moment's notice they'll just go rawr maybe maybe and then you remember the monsters and she had this little cute backpack maybe rucksack and oh, she, yeah. she could put it on when she's a monster and just be the little monster with the little, little rucksack on yeah I feel like I felt like this series had higher highs but lower lows 
than the first season. Yeah. And one thing that lacked that the first season had really down well, and I think the reason why Mr. Hats was my favorite, was it had the crime drama kind of parallel going on with Mr. Hats whilst all the fantastic sci-fi stuff happened on the other crew. But now that both of those have merged, you haven't got this like mystery rolling through it as much. Or instead of Mr. Hats discovering the mystery, he has become it. Mm. Unless it's just like in the next season it's just never mentioned again but I'm hoping Mr. <laughs> Hats is part of a mystery and he is coming back at some point. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out because we'll probably start season 3 as soon as we're done this. Yeah and hopefully when we're done it we'll actually get to it within maybe the same month we finish. <laughs> hopefully. Someone has kind of spoiled me a little bit on something that happens in this season. I know at least two characters that survived to season 5. Yes, because promotional videos and adverts on Prime are really annoying, aren't they? Yeah, it's got their two faces on season five, so I know they survive it. But yeah, to those of you who have stuck around with us to listen to season two and listen to season one, thank you very much. Uh, It means the world to us. Yeah, we are still learning and adapting, and hopefully they're getting better as they go along. Hopefully. However, if you did like the rambling nonsense of season one, where it was like, by the numbers, let's go through every every uh, every single scene one by one, let us know because maybe we could revisit it and just be the uh, our our series on the expanse is literally just telling the story. No <laughs> story opinion. Time. No opinion. Um, I, I kind of like it when we just kind of ramble on about absolute nonsense. So if you like that one, you can always let us know. <laughs> Probably somewhere in the middle's best. Nonsense. Just quickly, would you read the books? Do you think the story would be strong enough to make you want to read the books? It depends if all the characters are in the books. Because I struggle with that sometimes when you watch a show and they've made up characters to kind of fill a hole or something. And then when you go back to the books, characters aren't there. I would have said that usually characters are cut. Well, I found that in in Hornblower. I love the Hornblower series. Like, every episode's like a full-on film. But there's two characters that they've added in as, like, the comic relief almost like they're serious but it's like they add the little laughs and stuff but they aren't in the books because the books is more serious so when i went to try and read the book i struggled to get into it because they weren't there Hmm. okay i think i'd like to however i'm stuck reading books that i've you know had for ages now because we watch more shows than we read yeah my book tower is rather high at the moment but i still can't stop buying them so it's just getting higher yeah Thanks for tuning in. If you guys wanted to hear about what our opinions of Fred Johnson were, or any of the other things that we completely missed out in this review, then stuff it. No, no, no. Watch when we review it season three, because by that point we'll actually remember what our opinions are. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Like we could have brought up like the apartheid, like that. The reason why they've got South African accents in uh, in Fred Johnson's camp is because it's meant to be like apartheid, like South African, like commentary symbolism whatever you want to analogy well that went straight past me because i was sitting there going are they meant to be south african is it just meant to be space accent space south african well we might cover it more later but there are certainly lots of things that we have missed out that were we can't bring up because otherwise it would just be us going through episode by episode again i'm still trying to catch price out to see if his accent drops he has got one of the ropier accent yeah, so that's why you're just sitting there going, can you hear it, can you hear it, can you hear it? <laughs> yeah, but Jared Harris is such a good actor. Yeah, he's amazing, but at the same time, I still want his accent to drop slightly, <laughs> just so I can go, ha, I knew it. One thing that I've just thought of as weird is I haven't seen any other actor other than Jared Harris 
in anything else um, oh, other than Angel because you could recognize that I smoke 40 a day anywhere ah but the woman that I thought she was wasn't her but then we were watching what was it the, the Star Trek film and I, I was saying that all they need now is to get Angel in and then literally in the next scene there was Angel oh, all yeah. done up as uh, like a commander or something that third Star Trek film Star Trek Beyond or whatever Oh, that was so, so well it, it was a bit, It was a bit weird, because literally you were like, let's just get Angel into this. And then, like, scene change, and it was her right there. I was like, Sasquatch, what did you just do? <laughs> I knew it with my psychic abilities. <laughs> well, we're going to wrap it up there, guys. Thank you for listening. Remember, as always, if you want to be the first, you can email us any requests at the email posted below. Please follow our Instagram and Twitter for updates on things where we post pictures and keep people up to date with where the podcast is at. And if you could give us a five-star review on the podcast platform you're listening on, it would greatly help the show. Until next time, guys. Bye. Bye, guys.